Hello, everybody out there on Rumble and soon to be on the podcast, Joshua TV and all that great, wonderful stuff. I am going to be here today with William Ramsey from William Ramsey Investigates. I'm starting a little early so I can show you some of his sites and some of his, what do you got here? Some of his books that we'll most likely be covering as we go through this today. I want him to explain some of his amazing research that he's done. So this is WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. All right, you see the welcome page here, podcast, blog, video, contact. So you click in the store, I believe, and you'll see his books here. So you have The Smiley Face Killers, which is his most recent, Investigating Suspicious Water Deaths of College-Aged Men in the United States and the World. So there's that one, all right? You go into Global Death Cult, The Order of Nine Angles, Adam Waffen, and the Slaughter of the Innocents. Now, that one is one I'm reading at the moment. So then over here, you can see Abomination, Devil Worship and Deception in the West Memphis Three Murders. Okay. So that was Damian Eccles, not his real name. His real name was Michael Wayne Hutchinson, but he called himself Damian Eccles. And then you have uh, Jesse, Miss Kelly, and then Charles Baldwin. All right. Over here, you have Children of the Beast. And that is Alistair Crowley's Shadow Over Humanity. That one's really important when it comes to the modern age and the culture of music and mind control. All right. And then you have Prophets of Evil, Alistair Crowley, 9-11, and the New World Order. 11 is the number of magic. It's also apparently, uh, so when you, I, apparently, I, this is what I get, and I'm going to ask him to clarify, but 10 is supposed to be the number of God, right? So when you go from 9 to 11, you're omitting, you're jumping over, you're circumventing God. All right. So this will be an interesting talk because he has all these amazing books out here. And we can go over them. Let's see what happens when you hit the podcast. All right. So there you go. You can go. This is uh, being fueled by Apple Podcasts. But it's William Ramsey Investigates. I'm going to show you a couple more of his sites. William Ramsey is what you look for here in YouTube. Now, there's two different uh, pages. One of them, this is how you tell the difference. One of them has 18,000 subscribers, but he got locked out of that thanks to YouTube. Uh, so he has another channel, same name, same icon. One might be square and one might be circle. I don't know. But look for the one that has 13.4 thousand subscribers. And then if you want to find what's going to be most recent, see there's there's one that we did right there. Um, you just go to live. Here's videos. You won't see anything newer than about three years on this one, right? Because he does most of his stuff live now. It's not because this is old or anything. It's just you just click, click the live, and you're going to see, okay, three days ago. So this is obviously the month, the one he can have ask he has access to. That's how you tell the difference between the two. All right. And so that's Children of the Beast right there. And it's also available on Amazon. I'm just showing you that it's there. And his other two books right here. <clears throat> one more. That's the Smiley Face Killers. This one is going to probably be the majority of our talk because it's his most recent book, but we'll see how it goes. And then we have 
his whole lineup here. So you just put books by William Ramsey with an E, not A. They tried to change that on me. Uh, no, I know what I was talking about. <clears throat> so Prophet of Evil right there. Yeah, Abomination, Global Death Cult, and then Children of the Beast, and then a bunch of stuff they threw in there because they try to confuse you, right, to buy somebody else's book. And then the Smiley Face Killers is right there. Now, I want to show you something else. Four years ago, and they don't they don't round up. So if it's been four years and 11 months, see, that one says December 5th, 2019. Okay, so that was five years, four years ago. Warning, graphic imagery of satanic ritual murder of children, West Memphis free case, and Johnny Depp. So I made this 15-minute video four years ago about this particular topic. And then if you look down here, I did one for 57 minutes, and this is West Memphis 3, Johnny Depp, Marilyn Manson. I've done videos after this that have emphasized Marilyn Manson's tattoos, the matching tattoos with Depp, which Eccles and Depp also have matching tattoos, kind of a gay thing, I guess I would say, but whatever, besties for life, um, and their involvement in helping getting these satanic ritual murderers out of jail. And then there's Hunter S. Thompson here and his connection to snuff films, Paul Bonacci and Johnny Depp having possibly arranged his end as well as his uh, funeral. He definitely arranged the funeral with the gonzo fist and all that stuff. But there's a very good possibility that uh, Thompson may have had a crisis of conscience towards the end or just didn't care anymore. Years of drugs and alcohol didn't have a filter, and I think they took care of him that way. So there's those, and then we have. So I think I hear him right now. So let me go ahead and bring him on. Let me go ahead and remove this thing here. And let me bring us back to you. Here you go. Hello, sir. Hey, how's it going? Hi. I was just uh, doing a little pre pre gaming here, showing them all your sites, your books, and your YouTube channel, so people know where to find you and what you're all about, as far as the topics that you've covered so far and the books that you've read uh, written. So that so was uh, I don't I don't want to waste your time with that, so I just kind of started a little bit early to to do that and get that in okay. the, onto the book. In the, okay. Okay. So everybody, this is William Ramsey. He has uh, four. Is it four or five books now? I finished my fifth book in se in September, so it's five. And that would be the Smiley Face Killers one. Correct. Excellent. Okay, so we'll probably go through whichever ones you want to go through uh, that pertain the most to you. And uh, so also, William Ramsey Investigates podcast. You guys can find that everywhere, like I showed you in the beginning. Also, William Ramsey Investigates. There's two channels on YouTube. To identify which one is which, as far as the, the the active one, go into live, click the live tab, and then you'll see, you know, two days ago, three days ago versus two years ago, because he got one of them got locked out thanks to YouTube. All right, so I've been reading Global Death Cult, and that one's pretty fascinating. That's where I first learned of you uh, when I was listening to Freeman, and you had that podcast about the Global Death Cult. But I think also, even further back, when you had first come out with your books on Alistair Crowley, 
I believe that was actually you on Freeman as well. When yeah. I started, when I started, uh, you know, getting into and getting blown, my mind blown by even just the 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 crumbs that you were leaving, talking about Alistair Crowley numerology in the nine eleven attacks. That's mind blowing to me. So I mean, if you want to start anywhere, I'm sure this is going to be a great conversation. So. Yeah, I mean, that goes all the way back. Like, I was uh, kind of an independent researcher even before I started writing. I passed the bar in 1998 in California. And so I was always kind of like, I've been in D.C. and was kind of skeptical about the corporate media. So I was always researching, and then I was a, kind of a 9-11 researcher. I was like, oh, so much was going on during the Bush administration mm -hmm. that wasn't like a normal administration. So I was always trying to figure out what was going on, and that led me to 9-11 and then the numerology numerology i didn't know much about the occult i wasn't a and i'm not i'm not a i've been accused of being a satanist which is pretty funny but um i didn't know much about it so i really that's kind of what led me to dig in maybe all these subjects is really things that i don't know about so that's kind of what led me to put out my first book i self-publish all my books um through my company now but it uh, was prophet of evil alistair crowley 9-11 in the new world order and that was kind of just kind of showing these the overlap of the ideas of like the policies that were being implemented after 9-11 and Aleister Crowley's ideas and philosophy. Because I think that he really was kind of a, uh, a philosopher in a very kind of darker way of a modern philosopher who spent all this time reading and writing. And so I think that's kind of why he was so influential is that he left so much for people to read, to build on or act upon or analyze. So. He is yeah. an important, a very important figure. And at that time, it seemed to be a much more sub rosa, under the table influence. I think now, because of the alternate media, people kind of, uh, in the front of their minds, they understand who Crowley was and his kind of cultural impact, I think, much more. Not just because of me, just because of other people talk about him as well. But uh, yeah, so that was my first book. Then I wrote a second book about the West Memphis Three, it's a true crime book. And that kind of uh, moved against the kind of the notion, the public notions of what the West Memphis Three was all about. And then in 2014, I wrote Children of the Beast. That was kind of Crowley's impact upon 20th century politics and culture and music. And then I made two documentaries about the Smiley Face Killers, 2017 and 2020. And then I wrote Global Death Cult in 2021. And then in 2023, I finished my book on the Smiley Face Killers, which was kind of the aggregation of uh, all the research I'd kind of been doing into this phenomenon over the last seven years. And so it really is kind of like a data dump in a lot of ways. It's just kind of, this is it. This is what I've researched. And I'm like the first sentence of that, my most recent book really is just saying, this is a history of the research into this phenomenon because it's still happening. Like there's recent cases within the last month or two that are very mysterious like and so i kind of tried to shine light on that mystery of what's going on in the u.s and the world and why is it happening what are the questions what are the other researchers there have been so many other credible valuable researchers i tried to include all those in the book my most recent book which is like 400 pages is it safe to say that when you're doing this research there comes a point where you like hit a threshold of information and you're seeing it from a you know from maybe from a stand back position to where you can kind of see more connections in the last guy who was working on it and it's um it's exciting right because it's, it's like unraveling a mystery so it would, 
you have to write it somewhere. You have to, you have to get it out. You have to purge it out of your system in order to, you know, fill up the tank again. And that's, yeah, no, it's true. I think that's true. I think maybe that's more of like a subconscious process that may of writing a book and maybe just like interviewing you about your book is the same thing. Like I've aggregated so much information for my own, like I research for my own benefit. I like to give it and put it out and let people consider it as well. But a lot of all my research is really just is like, is this really happening? And a lot of my, the, the thoughts in my own mind before I've written my books, like I didn't, I thought something totally, I had a totally superficial view of Crowley. I didn't think the West Memphis three case was what it was. I didn't know much about the occult far right. Like I learned a lot about the modern occult far right. And I didn't really know uh, the smiley face kills. I thought it was an urban myth. So then I agree and it goes, okay, this is tangible, factual stuff here. You guys look at that. And people are operating with these ideas, very dangerous ideas, in my opinion. So, yeah. I, but, like, I think it's interesting that you keyed into that process of writing a book. Like, it, uh, it's like that. You have to. It's almost like a birthing process or something like that. I think it's uh, similar to. Similar to. So when you're when you're looking through so let's you know starting from book one which was specifically about crowley and his relationship to certain events looking at all these other elements like the order of nine angles the smiley face killers which may even have some overlap there the common thread that i'm seeing is that they all study crowley it's to some extent you know and then they might branch off from that but it seems like their influence in the very beginning of forming their ideas for these uh, organizations or clandestine operations, if you will, seem like they come from Crowley. It's a great point. It's a great observation. And I think it's true. And they argue about it and they go through the process or they're aware of people into who are into Crowley. And it's kind of surprising people don't know the connection between like the Church of Satan or Temple of Set and Crowley. Like they're aware across the bay, like in Northern California, there's Crowley's one of main kind of followers, McMurtry, who's running his own kind of OTO outpost. But yeah, they all go through it. Even David Myatt, who kind of is the founder, alleged founder of the ONA, which is kind of its genesis is a bit murky. I uh, didn't seem to want to come out and take credit for doing all of it. wrote under different pseudonyms. But yeah, and he has kind of a contempt for Crowley. He, he thought the Book of the Law was on Nietzschean and was based upon a bunch of baloney. Mm. So he... Um, he didn't think Crowley was somebody, and he didn't like the fact of Crowley kind of adapting kind of Jewish mysticism into his thing. He's, he was kind of a, it's an Anglo, Anglo-Saxon kind of snob, I would say. Right, right. Yeah. So you have uh, you have the, the Kabbalah mysticism, Zohar type of thing integrated there. A lot of that's, you know, when you really look into the history, there's a, there's a Turkish slash Sufi type of influence on that as well just because of where they came from or who might be claiming that they're Jewish when they may not have actually been from that region originally. So you don't know where these influences for the mysticism are coming from. And that even spills over into, well, what type of mysticism was Ignatius of Loyola, Inigo, actually practicing in those caves? You know, what, what, what origin? Certainly not Christian in that, in the, in the traditional sense. Right. I mean, it's it's really how you define mysticism, occultism, its progeny, or you know how far it goes back. Um, but whether you're right, I think whether it's really truly Jewish or whether, I mean, where does the mysticism come from? Like, there's allegations that the whole Templars brought back Near Eastern mysticism through that, through them, through 
um, oh, what was his name? The, the 13th century guy who died on February 13th. Oh, you're talking about uh, Jacques de Molay? Jacques de Molay, right? Yeah. yeah, so de Molay and all that stuff. So it's always kind of been around. I mean, if you go back, even in the New Testament, I think it's in Acts when the apostles are going around and they're making converts and they're really the very beginning of Christianity is happening. There was like a bunch of converts and they took all of their occult books and burned them. Like there was something mentioned even in the gospels of this mm -hmm. kind of occultism being around. It goes back through the old Testament all the way back to Egypt and all that stuff. So I think that, that there's a, there's kind of like a genealogy, intellectual genealogy going all the way back there. You know, something like that. Yeah. Like mystery school type stuff, like mm -hmm. coming out of Babylon or Sumer and, you yes. know, the, the secret practice, the, the priest craft, the priest cult, right? Right. So, very well said. So, and then you could say, like, it's interesting, this mystery school, you were talking about mystery schools in your book. And when I was researching kind of Crowley and Children of the Beast, like the Process Church of the Final Judgment, the th number three, Tim Timothy Wiley said, the Process Church is a mystery school. Right. So he's tying this new organization which has had probably a greater influence upon our culture, I think, than um, people might realize. And I realize for sure. Uh, Dana, uh, uh, I forgot what her last name is, what she goes by, but she's researching and rotting jewels. Yeah, like yeah. A real yeah. impact. And it's like Sons of Sam, Manson, and it's all quiet. But I mean, so people say, a lot of people say, like, this stuff is like always in the past and it's not operating in the present. They're they're not correct. That's not correct because it's influence. This process church has influenced so much of our current culture. Just Manson alone. Um, so you have that's just one mystery school. You can probably call Scientology a mystery school. OTO, global. Uh, I mean, um, order of nine angles. Yeah. So. See, so you bring you bring that up. So that that gives me a question, a chance to ask this question. So you're when when you talk about Scientology, at what point was there? Just L. Ron Hubbard, if it, if ever, uh, just acting on its own and not through the Office of Naval Intelligence, right? Good question. You know, and then what is because you have the OSS, the CIA. We're all talking about mind control, but to me, when I look at Crowley and the grimoires that he was stealing from other people, and the books that he was writing, and the things that he straight out claimed that he did, and his apologists will say, "Well, that was just metaphor and euphemism. He wasn't really killing children and all this other stuff." okay well anyway <laughs> right. it, it looks a lot like the type of tra uh, trauma-based mind control that got into cybernetics and got into mk ultra so what to call it nazi paperclip i think that's like a diversion from where it actually came from because they don't want to tell you it's occultic stuff that came from very deep dark places in our history yeah no i'd agree with that i mean you can read i had a, a paper on Crowley that you can read uh, from on William Ramsey about all of his placements about these dark practices, darkest practices. So it's definitely there. And I think uh, paperclip is kind of a distraction. Like these guys are studying all that Crowley is and definitely had trying to uh, have control over people. And that's actually a theme within the occult. Like I've always found mind control to be, I've said this before in other, in other talks is like a handmaiden to the occult it's everywhere mm -hmm. and you can go and just see stuff about the uh, church of satan it's like there's levee has all these books and some of them are on mind control so you're you're surreptitiously supposed to be influencing people without their awareness and it goes and it bleeds over into mk ultra 
and even the order of nine angles. There's a lot of that, like a lot of scrunching. And actually, like I've done, just done some um, research on Sirhan, Sirhan, and the Rosicrucian order, the modern Rosicrucian order by a guy last name is Lewis, who actually knew Crowley, who is a contemporary of Crowley, but they're the same thing. There's mind control wrapped up in that. And I've been reading, You can. I'm going to try to upload it on my podcast, but it's called, it's an open source document called the Sirhan Sirhan Timeline. <laughs> and because uh, he had a very strange background, like, and it's relevant because this is Robert Kennedy Jr.'s dad, but he was involved not only kind of there were hypnotists and weird people around him, radio man, but he was heavily involved in the Rosicrucians and was reading their books and stuff. And so he's around this whole milieu environment of people thinking about how to influence others through non-traditional persuasive means, you know, like uh, behavioral modification or control. Yeah. And when you look at the, the mystery schools, when they're speaking on behalf of themselves, they're talking about sensory deprivation, fasting, all these things that you have to do in order to even be brought into the cave before you start your initiation. It's like you have to prove yourself there. A lot of it is, you know, dark dark rooms, chanting, drum beating. It's all part of setting like a, an emotional state. It's it's a form of mind control and it's it's ancient. So it's not like something that just popped up because yeah. the paperclip guys showed up. Right. Um, so the concepts are all the same. The terminology may be different, and it, but the core concepts and the understanding may go all the way back into prehistory. I forgot the name of the book, but he was talking about kind of even the shamans and how they would do stuff. And a lot of mind control is associated with sensory deprivation and isolation. So if somebody's isolation, uh, isolated, they're much more susceptible because there's not somebody around to tap on their shoulder and say, hey, this guy's full of baloney, you know, or he's trying right. to manipulate you. And that's almost like a sales technique, too, actually. If you ever try to get a, sell a car or buy a house, a lot of it's like they're trying to isolate you. And this is the best way to go, you know. You need to get this uh, four-door Subaru. You know, this is your only option. I mean, it's, I it's not as it. sinister, but I think it, there are techniques that overlap. Yeah. So um, going into the order, order of nine angles, then, there's a, a process that you have to go through with nature. And part of it is sleeping, or not, I'm sorry, not sleeping, but being out there overnight, staring at the stars without falling asleep. Otherwise, you have to repeat the process. All these... What do you what do you make of the nature and what people would talk about is like sacrifices need to be done in a grove or in a cave or things like that? Like where are they are they drawing from an ancient source for this or not? Yes, it's a great question. Excellent question. It goes back to Druidism. That's the kind of unstated thing with subtext within the order of nine angles is Druidism and some modern occultism too. I did a really good show with Chris Knowles of the secret son. I don't know if you've seen that kind of researcher. He's been around for a long time, but he did, we did a show about the West Memphis three and Druidism. And it has this kind of weird overlap, the events of Druid, Druidic stuff. So if you go back to the Druids for people who don't know, they were kind of the pre or current Roman uh, civilization. They were kind of fighting against the Romans, but they were kind of a, uh, kind of like a rural, non-civilizational uh, priesthood, priesthood where it's sacrifice and all the stuff like that. But I think that the whole, that theme ties into 
the order of nine angles with a lot of this stuff being outside isolated like well for people who don't know the the guy like i said earlier myatt kind of or whoever kind of in the genesis of 09a created something called the septenary way which is a sevenfold way so it's people who have like in uh oto adapted 11 degrees and so this could be uh you know it's similar to the oto degrees but they're seven and i think the second degree like you mentioned is the one where you're supposed to go under or maybe the second or third is you do these tests or ordeals and one is you, you're supposed to go from sundown to sun up and lie still for the whole night so like whatever 10 hours or something like that so that's kind of going out into a rural area and then the other ordeal is like really testing your physical limits too so you're supposed to bike 40 miles or you know run a marathon or something like that which i thought but, was kind of funny because david myatt was a cyclist like he liked the he, he was an avid like climber and he liked this he'd like to cycle and you see him a lot of in the pictures in your book that he's on his bicycle full of hair now he's not all clean shaven but i just thought it was funny that that would be incorporated into it because that's something that he was interested in and you got the bicycling going in there yeah no it's interesting and that was actually a confrontation where he was confronted by a investigative reporter in the uk who was like trying to find him he's very underground and uh yeah he almost looks like he came out and he wears kind of style of clothing that's very much like from middle earth or something like that and he lives in the most rural area of the uk shropshire which is uh really close to wales on the map so he's kind of almost in like you know the middle earth verdant green areas of, of the uk but uh his ideas are very intense but yeah so, so let me ask you this. When you talk about Druids, uh, let's see if we're trying to trace this back origin-wise because the origin of man stuff is really hard to try to track down. It blurs. You get to a certain you know, point, and then everything just kind of blends into itself. Would that be Scythian? Would that be the Goth, Visigoth? Like we're, and we're talking when we think – when I think Druid, the first thing I think of, obviously, probably for most people, is Stonehenge, Stonehenge Ireland, perhaps some – you know places in between or outside of that but um from what my i understand my oh, understanding yeah my understanding is that it's celtic right yeah and so the celts or celts they've traced back a couple thousand years france northern germany and kind of uh the british isles and stuff like that that's my understanding and i think that uh caesar right caesar who conquered right. modern day france under vercingetorix right he wrote something in his annals or war history about the druids and so i think that that's one historical reference where their existence is validated no i don't know if they actually did any writing or if but they were erased off the map as far as historically right by the right. kill the whole bit like almost like mm -hmm. the witch hunting type stuff that they used to have the witch burnings yeah so they, they don't they no longer you know exists supposedly right so so a lot of a lot of what they are about is more like speculative for us then right because a lot of the well i my understanding and i'm no druid expert is that they were they used to like a lot of these bog people that they found in like the netherlands and stuff were were sacrifices by the druids they were known to have sacrifices mm -hmm. and they would come into certain things and leave things so the modern day jack-o'-lantern, the pumpkin with the weird face, is actually has a very sinister provenance because it was a sign from the druids that we're going to come and kill you. 
Oh, that boy. goes all the way up to modern day Halloween. Yeah. So their their cultural impact may not be the same as it was 2000 years ago, but the remnants of it, I think are still around. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Bill Cooper said uh, something interesting. He said, if ancient man saw the type of symbols and signs that you, you know, you gather around and have absolutely no clue as to what they mean, they would run screaming for the hills. And that's, that's an example of all the jack-o'-lanterns out on, on Halloween basically putting a mark or a target on yourself, not even realizing it. It's like, Hey, come, come get me. I'm the sacrifice. <laughs> you know, it's look it's it up. Funny. Prove me yeah. wrong. Send me an email. I'm, I'm almost positive. That's a druidic remnant. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have like the, um, the, the sickle and the, the hammer and sickle. And he's like, no, that's, you know, you think that's the working man, but that's actually Saturn. That's the symbol of Saturn with the sickle, you know? Right. Saturn who sits, sits through humanity. Right. So he's yeah. just shaving you down like a great reset. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's the whole thing about the communist thing is like you look and, and you know the real symbolism. It's like the communists are the most successful killers since the Mongols. I think I think they, you know, I did a show on democide and they killed. I mean, the sad truth, which is really scary, is that democide is the norm in the US. It's not as overt, but I mean, communism killed 150 million people globally in the 20th century. It's crazy. Much more than Nazism. Nazism probably fifty million. So, all right, so we're gonna. We're, I'm gonna try to do a tracing here. So we have Michael Wayne Hutchinson or Damian Eccles. Uh, you have the children that were found. Some of them were on the bank, but it was kind of like a what, like a ravine or something. Shallow water, basically, is what I'm getting at. And maybe it's a one ditch. Of the, a ditch. Okay. The Robin Hood Hills was a, a kind of set aside kind of uh, it's called gone. It's all been raised, but it was a kind of mini forest. And there was a ditch leading up to a aqueduct that was really kind of a spillway to the Mississippi River. Right. Because they're close to West Memphis is on the other side of the Mississippi from Memphis, Tennessee. So they have flooding, intermittent flooding, flooding. So this thing was kind of like a minor kind of. Uh, creek like a little small creek that the the boys were found submerged in with stakes right so mm -hmm. so when you're looking at that and then you look at the smiley face killers they're not the same age but they're always found in shallow water is there a connection there is there uh, a pattern maybe even just like the the thread of evil throughout history like a sine wave just influencing people as it as it passes it it just seems like it's so strange when you have a lot of these like commonalities, even if you don't see it. It's like almost more like a uh, metaphysical thing that happens between these types of people who tap into this stuff. Right. I think that's very well said. Yes. I don't understand. I'm not, and I don't come. For, I come from like a Christian background, looking mm -hmm. into the stuff. I think I've seen commonalities of water drownings and water kind of rituals. If you like see the very end, pardon me. Kind of like a reverse baptism in a sense. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of the re reverse baptism concept, but I've seen it in the end of Lucifer Rising, right? So they take these kind of totems that are human-like and drop them in water. And then you have this whole thing with the West Memphis Three where they're like sacrificed in water. They're literally drowned. And then these the Smiley Face Killers were, you know, they're found in water. So, and if you look at the kind of uh, Order of Nine Angles, they're kind of, sympathetic they actually have kind of symbolism from greek history 
where Typhon, and this Typhon is a common concept within um, the occult. So mm -hmm. maybe these guys are doing something to, you know, to appease the gods of the underworld. Um, and, so, and there's all kinds of weird learning story, and I include them in my book, Global Death, called the weird learning stories of like gods of the underwater and things like that. Because in the old, I think it was Zeus or Kronos was battling Typhon and thrust Typhon out of Mount Olympus or something. And sh I don't remember exactly, but shoved him in the underground. So Typhon or Typhonianism then became... The guy with the tricycle, uh, the trident, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so like the, Poseidon or something. So then like. the Poseidon, yeah. So then the trident becomes a kind of a symbol of the kind of uh, demon world or something like that. The trident, and you'll see that within uh, the O9A is this whole concept of the tricycle. You can look that up, and that's part of, part of it is the trident. So that's a it's a deliberate water symbol. So that's these guys may be doing, you know. You'd have to, they, they, the problem with the occult is that a lot of it's all secret and it's all learned through oral, like it's or, learned orally, like you can't just read about it. Somebody right. can tell you, and that's kind of the mystery and the power of the occult is some of the stuff is shared, just like you said, in ritual environments, secret environments. They used to have like a guy during the um, Masonic stuff, which made me some reason, other whole <laughs> can of worms, right? But they had a guy who was supposed to watch. The rituals. I forgot. Was it like Watson or a Tyler? The Tyler. Yeah, Tyler, Tyler watches the daughter with a sword. Yeah. Right. So there's somebody like that. So maybe that these guys do the same thing. I, there's a lot of mysteries and things like that. But these kind of uh, occult groups may share all this stuff in ways that that never reaches the public. You know, it's funny about that is when I learned about the Tyler, because, you know, you're talking about the Masonic tiles. You have the white and the black, which are supposed to be uh, consciousness and metaphysics or, or spirit, right? in the kind of like the chess board layout but tyler durden from fight club is that just is that just a coincidence that they would no. name it tyler? right no way no no way at all it's not a coincidence that his name is a five and a six just like harry potter so that kind of literature from i mean the five and the six for people who don't know symbolize the pentagram and the hexagram also the macrocosm and the microcosm that the pentagram and the hexagram represent thereby meaning that's what the magician is supposed to integrate into themselves is the cosmos and the magician is the center of the cosmos so tyler durden totally a cult book i've done a uh, an analysis of it in my documentary of cold hollywood but uh yeah no it's not a mistake his name is tyler i mean the funny i've done a show on fight club with the guys from psyop cinema people can listen to it William Ramsey investigates, but he became kind of he's obviously kind of like a black magician, uh, chaos kind of magic figure with all mm -hmm. the stuff and Project Mayhem and stuff like that. But I used to think of him as kind of like a positive, kind of countercultural figure, and then I read it and now I understand it. It's like, no, Chuck Palahniuk knows all the secrets, man, he knows a lot of secrets. He's probably a mason, is my guess. So, does the five and the six is that is that the reason for the 11? is because yes. that's, the, the, yeah, that's why i never adding it together yeah right so 11 is the power number it's like a, a number of magic in crowley's system it's just a prime number and actually precedes kind of crowley it goes back to the golden dawn which was a post um masonic magical fraternity so you're supposed to go all through the 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 grades of masonry and then become the golden dawn and there were other very famous members one is kind of like Yeats is the Irish poet 
contested with cruelly, actually. They hated each other. But they had like one of the founders, I have it in Prophet of Evil, but one of the founders wrote a book called Numbers and Their Mystical Value or something like that. And 11 was like a number with a negative uh, attachment to it. Like Now, some people have said like in the Kabbalah, 11 goes over 10, which is supposedly like the perfect number or something like that. Like So, so representative of God. So if you bypass God, you're kind of cutting him out of the deal. Is that right? And so you'll see these cor numerical correspondences. They reference meaning. It's not just the numbers in themselves, but I mean, in some ways, you have to kind of read Prophet of Evil. But Crowley then integrates this 11 almost into his, his religion. He called the Lima, right? Which is will. And it's in the Book of the Law, which he received supposedly from an entity named Awas in, in Egypt in 1904. And there's like a sequence within there that said, 11 is my number. And those of us who, who are of us, you know, and my, my group is secret and unknown. So it's kind of like a secret society idea that's integrated into this kind of curious book. Like I said earlier, Myatt from the ONA thought it was all influenced by um, by Nietzsche. But yeah. then it goes to Crowley. So the 11 goes to Crowley. It's kind of his prime number. Becomes the prime number of magicians. And then he goes, do what thou wilt shall be the whole of the law. That's kind of his main axiom, which is 11 words, right? So you see this kind of 11 go all the way through, and then I should show the tie-ins to the 9-11 event, right? It's on day 11. The first plane to hit the building is Flight 11. That's 11 years to the day when George Bush Sr. made his famous New World Order speech on September 11th, 1990, which would indicate almost an astonishing level of control, political control, and that everything else was just like... Uh, just like the like the you know the Wizard of Oz, like that's just the the stage screen for everybody. A planned event, you know, that the 9-11 event, whatever they were gonna do was gonna happen on that power day, right? And actually the twin towers themselves are a giant eleven, right? Yeah, Curly even right. said that the eleven is not just a number, it's an ideogram. So it's like a symbolic thing of like two opposites, right? So there's all these kind of themes within magic of bringing in opposites together. Whether it's synthesis, antithesis—no, uh, thesis, antithesis, synthesis—it's almost like that in magic. My understanding is even that kind of philosophical dictum was the magical ideas preceded that before it sept, uh, sept into Hegel's thinking or seeped into Hegel's thinking. So anyway, so 9-11, its just like yeah. yeah, and it's like the you know from masonry, it's thirty-three. It's, it's a giant thirty-three in the sky. There's three sections. And it's 110 stories. This is not mistakes, right? The the twin towers are 110 stories. They're both. I didn't know they were both of equal height. I thought one was slightly. I guess slightly. Yeah. And there's supposedly like a male female difference between one because one has the larger radio tower, and the other one has a circle on top. Like there's all kinds of weird things. One of the tines to Fight Club, interestingly, and there's a lot of 9/11 tines to Fight Club, and Smiley Face Killers tie to Fight Club, but. Uh, there's smiley faces all throughout the uh, Fight Club movie, but the tie-in is the uh, spherical caryatid. If you remember the sequence from Fight Club, that spherical brass caryatid rolls down into a Starbucks, right? Uh huh. And then, yeah. And then, like 9/11 happens, the towers are gone, and there's that spherical caryatid just sitting right there. And uh, 
Huh. These are all done by. I mean, the Rockefellers are something else. Like they tie into uh, Blavatsky too, because I was just watching Elf the other day, and there's a sequence in uh, the Rockefeller Center, right, which is on in Manhattan, and they have that skating rink, and there at the skating rink is the gilded Prometheus, right? Built and by Prometheus, Trump, right? Didn't didn't Trump build that 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 rink? Uh, good question. I would be very interesting <laughs> if he did. I wouldn't be surprised. But it's in a lot of movies, like as a backdrop. Yeah. That people don't know. But Prometheus is the symbol of, of Lucifer, right? Yeah. Because Prometheus right, right took fire, fire from the gods and brought it down to humans. So it's another example of like the ideas of uh, Greek mythology seeping into uh, kind of Luciferianism and then the modern culture. But the fact that they put like it's gilded and has all the flags of the world around there should it should be telling like. They're basically symbolically telling you Lucifer is the god of the world, in my opinion. Yeah, pools <clears throat> have a symbolism too, but even just the towers, just to you know, step back a little bit. That's like Yakim and Boaz of the Masonic Order, right? The two yes. pillars. Yeah, I've heard that and, too. and do those pillars line up with the uh, the Kabbalah in the sense of like there's the 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 mother and the father uh, lines on the the tree of life? It wouldn't surprise me. Like, I don't know if anybody's really accurate. I've heard, like, we talked about the Typhonian trident. You can pull a picture of the towers up, and at the very base of it, they're all three, like, tridents. You can oh. just see the tridents reaching up to the sky, almost oh. like uh, an invasion in the skyline or something like that. It's very interesting. interesting. Yeah, so Typhon but, was actually – now, I don't know if this is true, but I've I've heard Freeman talk about this, and it sounded very intriguing, so I wanted to learn more about it not the easiest thing to find information on um but that crowley had gone back and forth on lusitania a couple times and he may have been whatever was before mi5 i mistakenly said mi5 because that's how i read it as being but i don't think well it was before mi5 and mi6 it was called the secret intelligence service and then okay. it was brought brought over and then the uh, british pre uh between the war split it into two departments mi5 mi6 mi5 i think was domestic and mi6 was international so corley was a member of the sis so before prime minister churchill he was like rear admiral of the whatever the something of the sea right they're saying yes, that during world war one churchill was um the head of the admiralty yes and the plan for the lusitania according to some had everything to do with crowley and this didn't mean victory it didn't mean peace but it was a symbol for typhon and magic now, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's I've heard people. I've heard that as well. You see Churchill doing this a lot, right? Um, he there is definitely writings between Crowley and Ian Fleming about the whole Hess affair when Hess flew to or was tricked into flying to northern um, kind of Scotland uh -huh. to try to make peace. With, now, Hess is an incredible event because Hess is like number three in the government. It would be like the equivalent of like. Uh, <clears throat> somebody from the head of the Joint Chiefs of Staff or something, or uh, what's who's third in who's third in line? It's the head of Congress or whatever, like the, getting the a plane and going. What's that? Like the uh, is that the Speaker of the House? Yeah, is Speaker of the House flying to like Russia and trying to figure things out. But um, there's a letter between Crowley and I think he said it to Fleming and his boss, wow. saying, "Hey, what does?" And there's also a, kind of a funny picture of Crowley emulating Churchill and making that sign. So Churchill's making that sign and he's making it. And there were supposedly magical workings he was involved in 
with a bunch of witches at the time trying to like ward off the Nazis or something like that. So that's very so, interesting. Very interesting. But there's no question that Crowley, when he came to the US, he came on the Lusitania. And his whole objective was the real objective objective of the British Empire in World War One and World War II, which is to convince the neutral US to get involved in the wars, get involved in the European wars. That was it. And so once that happened, once Wilson, I think, became president and then the Lusitania sank, like Crowley writes in his confession, my work is done. Like, I'm out of here. The U.S. is now in war. So then he he left almost immediately. So kind of tells you what he was up to. But there's no question he was involved in, like, his weird stunts in the U.S. He was networking. He was in this place called the Fatherland. Or uh, he worked for a journal called the Fatherland or the International. There were two of them. And then he was featured in the New York Times for, like, being a supposed asset of Ireland, right? So at that time, Ireland is trying to fight for its independence, which never happened. But he was supposedly an IRA asset. I forgot what the name of it was back then. Crowley was an IRA went, asset? That's interesting. Crowley was an IRA asset? That's what he claimed publicly. He wasn't. He was always <laughs> a British uh, asset. Uh, I don't think he ever lost his loyalty to the crown, really. Um, it, it was a very telling element is he keeps getting kicked out of these countries and then mm-hmm. is always kind of like Italy. his way back to the UK and never gets, you know, arrested or tried. There's no evidence that he was ever punished for his supposed disloyalty. But just one more thing. There's like a, uh, I think it's included in my Prophet of Evil, of him being out on the Hudson Bay, ripping up his passport and proclaiming himself uh, an asset of the Irish, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, resistance. But it was all, all ploy, all a big ploy, yeah. So do you think his loyalty has something to do with the British Israel Israelism aspects of the British uh, royalty? Or do you think it just... I, I mean, think that he was just a classic classicist and uh, he had all the benefits of like an upper class person. And he was probably tar- uh, you know, picked out as an asset when he was at Cambridge. I think that really his... And he was constantly writing like correspondence and stuff. He was really... I mean... I think I call him an obviously an evil person, but he, I mean, he could have used his talents for much better ends, but he was constantly writing. He was really a literateur. I think he really had a mm-hmm. desire to be a notable poet, um, but it just didn't work out for him. But uh, as far as British Israelism, I think that he, he was just a loyalist is really what he, I think he said it's from Oliver Twist. He's, there was a guy, John Sykes, who kept kicking his dog. And he claimed that he was like John John Sykes was the British Empire, and he was like the dog. And every time he got kicked, he would still be loyal to the British Empire. And, and I think that that's really true. So uh, going into his history, uh, his his parents, was it called the Plymouth Brethren? It, yeah, they were part of the exclusive brethren. So it was like an even more rigid subset of the... Puritanical, right? But Right. right. It's Darby. They were influenced by uh, Darby dispensationalism and um yeah very puritan so because i had somebody when i've been studying up on the Sabatine frankist uh influences throughout history and jacob frank and all that somebody said that that plymouth brethren was somehow because with frank of course you had a lot of people converting into christianity to blend in 
and that that brethren came from roots of Frankism, which would then make him a Frankist in a sense because he was raised by two of them. And I just found that interesting. I don't know if there's anything there, but I I just saw that as something that I should figure out, you know, because that just puts more of the pieces together. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And my understanding of Darby is that he was a little bit uh, not of a real Orthodox Christian. He came across as one. I'm trying to remember the guy who wrote a book about Darby recently, but he like found out things about Darby that were very non-Christian. Um, so maybe that seeps in, but from my reading, and it's through Crowley's lens, which you know maybe just a bunch of baloney, but like he loved his dad. His dad died when he was 12. Yeah, that's um, when he kind of lost his. Kind of seems like Aaron. it, and then he became under the care of his mom and his uncle, and they had money. Got tons of money, so they're very wealthy. Crowley Ale. Crowley <laughs> Ale, very good. Yeah, and they also <laughs> sold like food and pubs and stuff like that. So they had like serious revenues. And yeah. uh then he went to these private schools and they just almost like it was just a really savage bullying and fighting all the time, and he almost died. According he got to- he got ill a lot when he was younger, too. And I think I think a lot of times your emotional state can can uh lower your ability to fight things off too i think it has a lot to do with it so when you're being picked on i think your your physical health can also fail oh no doubt i think there's yeah. a mind body connection for sure he yeah. also blew up like he was playing around with uh, fireworks and he blew up and he went into a coma which may have caused like some mild brain damage or something like that but if you see kind of the most famous picture of a bald crowley you can see the pock marks on his face yeah on this explosion that knocked him into a coma um, that, that kind of makes me think of Howard Hughes when he uh, got his head injury and then kind of lost a little bit of uh, his bearing as he got older, too. Yeah, yeah. they say that's a common trait in serial killers, too, is head injury. It's like mm-hmm. people get their bell rung and then their personality changes. So, yeah, he did not have an optimal life, although he was the only child. His sister had died when he was very when she was very young. But... Uh, I think that may have just like twisted his sensibilities as being a child of privilege, you know, rough growing up in like private school. They call them their public schools, but they're the equivalent of a U.S. private school. And uh, yeah, 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 might might have sent him down the wrong path. So I want to I want to ask you this question and I'm going to there's I've got two of them here. So the surrealism of how things line up so much. Now, a lot of it seems like it couldn't be, even if you had everybody working together to line things up the way sometimes these things seem like they do. It's almost a surrealism. It's almost seemingly impossible just for everything to time itself out, the numbers, every matchup. It makes me wonder if there's a hand of man at this or if it's indicative of like kind of like the Matrix even if it doesn't mean matrix matrix, but like, you know, the framework, the math that creates our world, our universe, our reality, being able to, you know, and these occults are like studying the threads to be able to identify it so they can tap into it and utilize that energy. But it almost seems like it's just the math of our universe, but they just happen to understand how to read it because it seems like there's just so much that would have to happen just right for it to line up. And I'm, I know that when they do these, um, these like news articles, they're always fudging the numbers just so that they could throw those numbers out at you. Like 33,000 dead, 33,000 captured, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. They're integrated. There's like a, 
<clears throat> there's a like World War One war memorial in, I think Brussels or somewhere around Belgium, and the 11s are in there. So like they even did this war memorial with like this weird, creepy, magical subtext. And this is like a hundred years ago. I have to dig that out and show it to you, but it's pretty incredible. So I think that if you are of the kind of magical mindset, you're trying to get the correspondences of these numbers, times, and dates to get the maximum amount of power and energy out of it. So even if you're trying to do a sacrifice, you pick the right date, the right time, the right events, the right, you know, uh, north, south, east, west parameters, the right ritual instruments to have the most efficacious working or something like that. So to say that, there, you know, there's too much similarities, maybe not, but also like maybe shows the skill of the of the magician too. Like, hey, I can do all this. Like, I think that, uh, and I said this in a recent interview. I think that George Bush Senior, if you keep looking back through his career and all the stuff that he did, and everywhere, all going back to like JFK, and then magically appearing as the head of the CIA without anybody knowing, like, oh, I was just in the CIA for a year. Yeah, give me a break. All the way up through his son and 9-11, like, he's a magus. He's just like Crowley. Like, he's really that powerful. And going back to, like, um, Skull and Bones and things like that. Like, they, these guys are thinking, like, Crowley's total genius. There's no, absolutely no question. Mm -hmm. That's what sets him apart. There's other occultists out there that would probably be jealous to have that much time and intellectual resources that Crowley have that they don't. The time but thing I, always seems like it's part of the equation for a lot of these people who rise up is that they come from wealth and affluence yeah. and they have the time because they don't have to engage in occupations. They can study this stuff up. So. No doubt. And they, or they have the best people training them. They find like the super smart guy. Like I think the Rockefeller family or somebody like Crowley called himself the priest to the princes. And, and the ideas of the, of the occult kind of overlap with, wealthy people's uh, aristocrats outlines because it's kind of like an aristocratic thing. Slaves shall serve. It's okay. It justifies you as being the top of the pyramid and, you know, the, your place in there and treating other people with contempt and kind you're like above how, the law. Yeah. Kind of like how Mithraism was just for like the Roman elite. Yeah. Right. So it's for, it's right. like an elite doctrines and you'll see that it's all through the occult. Like we're special. We're the insiders. They're not. Haha. We have got the inside joke. They're all mundanes. That's kind of like the ONA's principle, or they're all profane, right? We have the special magical stuff. These, these kind of things go through the occult. Like, I've had a pretty broad survey of reading the occult. But, uh, yeah, so, like, these guys are similar. Like, I think George Bush, there's a famous story that he went into a supermarket. You can look this up. And he had no idea what the laser printer was, like the laser recorder for buying your individual food items. Like he looked at that. What's that? Because he had never he had never had to worry about it. He always yeah, had a right. chef or somebody yeah. bringing the food in. And I think Crowley was like that too. Like he never had to work a day in his life. Never ever. Just never did it. So they're detached from the kind of ordinary things. And Crowley even admits it. Like I think in later his writings, he said, I never really worried about money. I just asked for money and then I did whatever I wanted. So maybe this kind of freedom of money is very similar to kind of the freedom of the occult of doing what you want because you don't you're detached from like the the normal workers of the day or whatever like the nine to fivers you have to put food on the table it's very strange yeah and it's easier to you know wrap your head around people having contempt when they don't have to 
understand or learn the value of things either because it's easy for them to acquire without having to put forth the effort. Look at all these guys pushing climate change, like Gore and Kerry and stuff like that. These guys have never worked a day in their life. They're print. They're American princelings. They're like upper class twits of the year, like something from uh, Monty <laughs> Python. They're a total joke. Like I know people who've been around Al Gore. He's a he's a a bore. He's totally boring and talks about his dad. My dad, he talks like a fool. Like he well, Gore couldn't survive in corporate America, but he can get up and have his plane and have all his money and you know, then you know, casually lay out this BS about carbon system and the whole global warming climate change is just one of the biggest scams of all time. But who's pushing for this stuff? It's these kind of old world order that's become the new world order types. These kind of inbred <laughs> old um yeah, guys like them, the they, yeah to say that there's not an American aristocracy is a lie. That's total baloney. And George Bush Sr. was one of those and totally Rockefeller adjacent. And so you see this kind of overlap and dynamic. Like if you see like the Biden administration, Kerry's in there. He's in there going around. He's like a climate yeah. asset or something like that. Like uh, that should scare you because he's a bonesman. So he knows all these characters. He knows Bush Jr. Yeah. and Gore and all these other kind of. Uh, I believe Eastern McCain people. was in the bones too. I think I saw it. Be surprised with 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 Kerry in the same kind of maybe the same class. I don't know, but um. But so, we're still being affected by it. So people like, yeah. oh, these guys aren't in the occult. They're really just nice, and they're thinking about the left, and they really care about people. They don't give an F about you, guy like Kerry or Gore. You're just a useless eater, just like George Bush said. And I think the Greek uh, uh, fraternities have some connection to these types of uh, occult – I don't, I don't know, but it, it, like when you look at some of the hand signals and you see where they, you know, how they crisscross, like a lot of the the Greek letter fraternities, you're looking at the same types of hand symbols that they use in, you know, evoking magic and things like that. So I just maybe there's a correlation there. I don't know, but it. I wouldn't be surprised. They have initiations, right? Right. So if you go with candlelit initiation, you'll never tell. These are all secrets. So it's all the standard um, kind of Masonic occult initiatory stuff and Acrulli himself said you know satan is the lord of initiation so if anybody's been initiated that should be a way to stand to sit up in your chair if you're a christian it's like mm, you're a mason like i just saw jones give alex jones give tucker carlson a weird hand sign you're talking about hand signs he grabbed his hand and like put the finger his finger like this i can't i keep trying to show it yeah yeah i know what you mean yeah he like he like grabbed it like this yeah. He put his finger like right here on his on his pulse. And I would never shake anybody's hand like this. You, you know, you kind of right, come right. down, like totally did this. I could try to get in the meat. I'm not doing a very good job. Yeah, it almost yeah. it almost looks like the lion's paw, the one that you you yeah, raised, something raised, like that. Raising somebody up with. Let's see if I can pull it up. But there's a there's a bunch of them that was that were in the uh the William Morgan book that he shows, like he goes through all the initiations. I put I put a portion of that in my book because it just when you see these things and you see how they, uh, here, I'll put it up for you. It's right in their face. Like somebody tell me this isn't true. I don't know if you can see it that well, but if you can expand that, he's got his, you can see his finger over his cuff, right? You see yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I see that. That's an unusual hand grip. Like usually you'd have your hand, all four fingers together. This is something going yeah, on. And Jones like, yeah. They've always rumored that Jones is a plant or an asset. Absolutely. And that he's a Mason. And this is like, <laughs> 
in front of your face. Do you trust this guy? I don't trust this guy at all. I honestly think that he was he was brought up like he may have been doing something on his own, but I, I he almost looks like he was boot camp, you know, healthy, the haircut and all back in the early days when they show him, you know, flexing his muscles and all. And maybe his rise was artificially created a little bit to kind of take attention away from people like William Cooper and other people who are actually not under their thumb so that right. they can divert the attention toward one guy who they did control, you know, yeah, a gatekeeper. Bill Cooper did not like Jones. Like, you know, no. Bill Cooper very well. He famously kind of just like said something was wrong with Jones and then he died right, right after nine 11. Right. Which is another suspicious kind of death. Like he was convenient. It was very convenient for certain people that he was no longer around. The only two people I know who really called nine 11, when it happened was Bill Cooper and Dave McGowan. Like I didn't call it. I was, I got bamboozled mentally, but yeah, I did too. I was, I was in the military at the time. They tell us what we, they want us to see. And that was already in the coast guard. So it was just, you know, I got, I got that patriotic uh, hair. I, my did too. I did yeah. too. I actually went out and bought an American flag and I'm embarrassed to say, put it on my bumper of my car at the time. Like I was in for like a couple of years, man. I was like, and then, it's like something's weird about this. Like this is so weird. Why were we attacking Iraq? Like, what's go this story doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up. Does he actually say thank you, brother, when he shakes his hand there? Or is that just somebody writing that? That that's part of the, the subtitles, right? So brother is also could mean, you know, brotherhood, brother. Right. So, uh, right. I mean, uh, we know for a fact that Tucker Carlson's dad worked for Voice of America, which is a CIA cutout. There's right. Absolutely no doubt about it. Yeah. Somebody. Okay. So during certain times, like Lubricalia, uh, Bacchanalia, or Saturnalia, like the 17th through the 23rd of this month, do you happen to notice upticks in smiley face killing or anything like that? Are there, are there certain a really good questions? question? And if people yeah. have tried to like tie it to those holidays and things like that, I have never been successfully able to tie it to those kind of you know moon fluctuations and things like that maybe druidic but i wouldn't even know what those are you know what i mean i wouldn't know but what it's so kind of... weird what's weird is like the duration of like the when things are found and people are found like sometimes it's a long time sometimes it's not but it's uh you know people have done a lot of studying and uh they haven't really gone like this is like you know in bulk and then you know, tied five bodies to it, but there's probably more work to be done. Uh, and just do a full spreadsheet where you could get the times, dates, and types of people. But I mean, the what's yeah, what's common all commonality? Always at night. These are not kind of like we're on holiday on Saturday going swimming type things. These are things where people disappear. Nobody sees them go in water, and uh, young, so you know, younger age. Have you heard of the Delphi murders? Yes, yes. The Odinism, quote unquote, yes. that's going on around there in like Kentucky. What what do you make of that? Is there any connections? Very to that? strange. I tried to discount it. I thought it was it was baloney, but then I actually have it on my desktop. I've got to get around to it. But they found that there was some kind of weird Odinism in that paper that was put out by the defense. They the, it's been verified that these guys had weird Odinism patches, and. Uh, my understanding is that there was leaks of the pictures of the young girls, the victims, 
that kind of verified something like out of True Detective or something like that. Like that gets really dark. But I, I need to do more work on, on my part with that. But I literally, when I heard that story, I thought it was baloney. I thought it was a bunch of um, hogwash, but it seems to be legit. So what do you what do you make of Richard Allen? I don't know. I, I really I wish I could give you a conclusive kind of statement about that guy, but it is weird that it took so long to arrest him. And that's uh, kind of I, yeah, I yeah. I mean, it, the whole thing is weird. They did find my understanding now that I'm remembering. They found a bullet from his that that near the crime scene that he admitted was chambered in his gun. Mm -hmm. I think. So why is he at the scene? Is there more people at the scene? Like what's going on? All right. I got one last question for you. Okay. All right. Pazuzu Algarad. Know of him? And is, yeah. there, any, is there any ties connection? Because he was very into Crowley as well. But I think everybody just lands on Crowley who's into the occult because, right. like you said, there's just the wealth of information there, regardless if it's good or not. <laughs> for I need to go back and look through that because I think he has an ONA connection, right? So the ONA, you're supposed to have these insight roles. And the leader of, of my, like in a strange way, becomes a member of a radical Islam group, right? And starts like, and that's like people are thrown for a loop. Like, what are you doing? But if you're a chaos magician and you're trying to create mayhem, it's the perfect kind of movement, right? Because these guys actually do it. They actually do horrible things. And so I think the thing about Pazuzu is that he was writing in Arabic. And it was oh, one wow. of, it's like one of the stranger aspects of that case is that he was writing things in Arabic on his front door and he was writing things in Arabic on his back. Like he had a, a pool that didn't have any water in it. Oh yeah. So I think, I think that's another one, like to go back through now that I know more about the ONA and see, see what his connections are made. And I think that he was from South Carolina or North Carolina. And I think that the temple of blood is from around there too. So maybe uh -huh. he has a connection, a hidden connection there that people aren't talking about. I gotta write that down. Temple of Blood. Something else to look yeah, up. <laughs> but it's spelled very in a strange way. Temple O V B L O D. Oh, okay. Gotcha. All right. Well, if there's anything that you'd want people to take away from your five books, your podcast, which they should definitely be checking out, and also checking out the YouTube channel, um, what it what would it be? Be safe? Would it be like, you know? signs and symbols what 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 would you like them to take away from what you've put into the, there's a lot of effort that goes into writing a book yeah be safe i think that's a really good one you know there's a lot of under there's kind of a dark undercurrent i think maybe just a human history and you got to kind of have your wits about you and your lamplet and i think my books are an attempt to show that you know the wolves are out there so be careful interesting yeah and the wolves i think that's also very interesting that ignatius of loyola's family crest has two wolves looking around the cauldron because wolves eat sheep <laughs> wolves eat sheep. i mean that damien echoes that's what he said wolves eat sheep that's one of his statements it's like the the uh what's that group the that infiltrates everything with the sheep uh, wolf and sheep clothing oh, the, oh that's the fabian society fabian society thank you yeah. and you know so the theme is out there and uh a lot of these occultists, that's the way they see themselves as kind of like predators, predatory. So, um, yeah. yeah, a lot of these bad things, they happen at night. So you got to be careful. It's good to be kind of a person of the day if, if you can, you know. Right, right, for sure. 
it's uh it is a strange world out there and the more they make people desperate due to financial economic it won't just be about dark you know occultic reasons there's going to be a desperation and desperation breeds a lot of bad things so no it has huge re re reverberations through society 2024 is going to be a real piece of work but like these kids um what they've done to the children by destabilizing everything is going to have amazing incredible impacts for society for decades so once these kids kind of realize like everything that's happened to them recently it's going to be horrible yeah is it the, the, their yakim and boys are transgender and TikTok. yeah, yeah <laughs> no, the, i read a stat yeah i mean we can have it's yeah it's really uh sad it's so much different for, i mean i'm old now 55 but it's such different like when i was growing up it was uh Mutual of Omaha, three channels. You know, you sat down at a certain time with your family to watch TV. And now they're all on phones watching TikTok and all kinds of crazy videos and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm not the sure. Conversation broke like apart. Everybody stares at their own little device and there's silence in the room. Yeah, no, it's a shame. It's shameful. Yeah. And uh, I will say, I know because I really enjoy talking with you that I could do this for hours and I really enjoy Every time we, you know, we, this is the second time we've talked and I, I enjoy every moment of it. There's a lot that we bounce off of one another and I really always think I learned something from it. So I want to thank you for that and um, thanking you for the books too, because it gives me a lot of data. The, the details sell the story, the details, you know, there's the, the, literally the devil in, in those details. And it just makes for a uh, very exciting reading when you're trying to get to the bottom of things and just unravel this you know, omitted history of the occult. Right. I mean, it's interesting that you like Bill Cooper so much because I went through a total Bill Cooper phase. Yeah. And uh, I still think some of his work is still important, but I think that that's kind of like the subtext of what led up to my books is all that kind of researching and kind of the threshing floor, right? Separating the wheat from the chaff. And what's really happening? Like what you get on TV these days is just pure propaganda. It's the most vicious propaganda right. imaginable. So there is like this kind of subtext of like, and there's some pretty dangerous characters out there um, and people need to be aware of them. Decept, a lot of deception and you need to have discernment, right? Just like the Bible says. So, See, and what I like about Bill is he might not have said everything and touched on every everything, but what he did say wasn't a BS. So at least you could use that as an inspirational jumping off point to do further research on and that's what I loved about it because you could, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, unless he was mistaken. And a couple of times he says he had been, but he didn't misdirect in the same process. Like some of the other big mouth auctioneers out there, the, uh, the pop-up pundits, the, the Stu Peters and the, uh, and the Alex Jones of the world, you know? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, you gotta really be careful. I mean, I think one of the benefits of a book too is, you can kind of, it's like putting the little ship out to sea. You can send it out. You've got your footnotes and people can uh, judge for themselves its validity or how much of it they want to read or what they want to read. Yeah. And then use it as a baseline. Like I used, all those references were baselines for my research too. So um, yeah, the, the journey of, of writing, it can be frustrating, but it can be so, it's like, it's like my roller coaster, you know, especially with this type yeah. of stuff. It's a lot of yeah, fun. you hit that dark night of the soul too, right? You kind of uh, go to that point, like, am I, I going to be able to finish this? Or how am I going to put the rest together? 
how many more pages am I going to write? Yeah. Then, yeah. When it gets done, it's very satisfying. It's like one of the most self you know, satisfying things you could do to yourself is accomplishing that, is getting it out there. Absolutely. Yeah. When you hold it in Hoping your other hand, people yeah. figure it out. Yeah. It's like I'm just further <laughs> down the road. Like I'm just further down the road than other people. That's yeah. all. Because I've been doing doing the kind of homework for a decade before I even started writing books. And I thank you for that because you help. Uh, you know, when you're gathering details like that, and I can look at something like that, like when I when I look at bills and Eustace Mullins and stuff like that, it gives me so much foundational material to then you know. Always scrutinize, of course, everybody, even Bill. Um, but it gives me a lot of I don't have to go searching for each of these pieces in a in a library somewhere. So it's it's furthering, you know, it's it's bringing that 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 little tiny bubble of truth that we have around us. It makes it a little bit bigger each time that somebody can reference a, a compilation of information like that. So, you know, the, the work that you do is very important. And I do thank you for that. Thanks. Thanks yeah. for saying that. The mystery schools are still out there, guys. Like you can look, go back and look at all the stuff that happened in Greece or the Old Testament or uh, prehistory or whatever. But yeah, they're they're out here and they're active, so got to be careful. Yeah. All right. And with that, guys, I'm going to cut this live stream and we will call this one awesome. Go ahead and check out William Ramsey at WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. You'll find him on YouTube, as I showed you in the very beginning. You'll see YouTube. Uh, there's two of them, the 13.4 thousand subscriber one. Click the live. Make sure it's the right one by looking at the most recent. That's the one you want to subscribe to. I mean, you can subscribe to the other one, but I don't think there's anything new on there. But, you know, go ahead. I can't get into it. I can't get into that one. That was my original one. So, yeah. YouTube is a funny, YouTube. funny animal. Yeah. And then uh, check out the books. The books you can. There's a tab on WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. Now, let me ask you a question. It, are you. Do you prefer them to buy them directly from you than from Amazon? Does it make a difference to you? I think it's up to you, whatever you like. I mean, I, I think I make more money if you buy it from me. But, I mean, whatever's easier for you. I have just got a new shipment of books if people want some. If you want to sign a copy, um, I you know I leave it up to you. You can get a Kindle version for 10 bucks of all my books. So and what I usually do is I read, I'll read the Kindle because it's I can go everywhere with it. And when I really like the book, I buy it. And if I can get it signed even better <laughs> there you go william ramsey investigates signed copies all right guys thank you so much and we will see you again tomorrow with dr peter glidden nd and that will be well noon my time 1 p.m central so that's uh 11 a.m uh pacific all right guys talk to you later